use the time, uh, use the time that I have wisely. Um, these these past uh, few weeks, actually more than a month, we have been um, we've been looking at just what Naomi and the team were singing. How do I how do I practice? presence and being in the presence of the Lord. And uh, so we started this journey called the pause, the pause. How do I pause? How do I slow down? And um, really pay attention to what's going on with me and what's going on with this holy God that I say I love and who is my father. And he's invited, he invited me into his presence. But how do I do it now? How do I do it? And so um, we've looked at quite a few passages of scripture that have to do with now living out what God's opinion and plans are for our lives. How do we pause? How do we slow down in the middle of the day, take deep breaths, you know, and, and just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. And let me try and get rid of everything that's not like him in me, you know, in my mind, in my thoughts in my emotions, my mood. You know, when I was growing up in a church environment, they didn't say a whole lot about the mood, you know? And so it was easy to come to a church environment, hear scripture, and then leave and have a bad mood. You know, when you get home and it's like, it's as though you were never singing about God or reading about God or talking about God. And maybe it didn't even happen when you got home. Maybe it happened as soon as you got in the car and somebody cut you off. And so when we talk about just being alone with God and um, experiencing a deeper, closer relationship with him, then we're talking about all of us, you know, me as an individual, you as an individual, being with all of him. And and not resisting that. And it's, all, it's not always a bad mood. Sometimes it's depressive thoughts or emotions because of a challenge, maybe even a tragedy. Maybe you got some bad news and, or a bad report. And now instead of living in the joy and with the joy of the Lord that is with this this person who I love, who knows everything, has everything, can do anything, all powerful, all wise, all knowing. But yet when I get around him, I've got all this anxiety in me. Or maybe you did something wrong. Maybe there was a sin and you said something that was out of alignment with God. Maybe, maybe it was that. And so now when you get into his presence, all you're feeling is shame and guilt. And it's almost like you can't even receive his love. And so for all of those things, if you don't know how to receive of him, then after a while, you're not even going to want to be around him. Because it's not good for you. It's not it's not, uh, it's not encouraging for you. It's not uplifting for you. 
And for some, the performance of what you think God wants out of your life is greater than what you're able to give. And so you stop even trying. And the enemy offers you something else. So when we say we want to fast and fast, you know, food to, to become more sensitive to God, when we say we want to be alone in his presence and feel his presence and all those words to the song, we got to unpack the reality of how we live it out in all those different levels of our lives. How does our faith get really high? How do we live with the joy of the Lord? How do we live with confidence that he really is with us and for us? How do we believe for the things that he says he wants to do for us and he is for us? Things like, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You can trust me and how I feel about you. How do, how do we press past the reality of our mood, our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings, our urges, the temptations that come. So all of this during those first 21 days, which is what the pause was, and today I'm ending this teaching on this second wave of it because those first 21 days was to help you learn how just to be with God, just to learn how to slow down, pause, you know, three times a day or, you know, twice a day or once a day. I'm skipping a meal and I'm going to use that time to read scripture or to pray or to think about the kinds of things that God wants in my life and learn really to sense that he is and he is a rewarder of those who say, I want to be with you and I want to seek after you. But then we went to another 21 days. The first 21 days started from uh, January 8th and went to uh, January 28th. And we went 21 more days after that just to get comfortable. Not just the introduction to a way of thinking, but now how do I get comfortable so that it is a lifestyle. A lifestyle of Monday through Saturday. Being with God thinking about God. We had scriptures that highlighted that. It's a little easier on a Sunday because we've carved out two hours to be here. And while you're here, you're hearing the songs, you're, you're reading scripture, you're around other believers who are embracing you and encouraging you. So that, that, that mindset of God, it's here. But really, it, it happens when we leave. How do we, how do we live like that to where it's all day, every day, for the rest of my life. I'm growing in my relationship with him. What we added on to these second 21 days was realizing that he's holy. So he's good, and he does good things, and so many of our worship songs speak of God's goodness. You know, we've, we've sang it over the past few weeks. You know, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. Wow, what a great song. But practicing presence when the reality of his nature comes in 
to play, that he's not just good, he's also holy. He's holy. There's a song that came from the passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah said, the year that I got my perspective right, he really said, in the year that what was in front of me got out of my vision, I was almost highlighting this other person. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I was in this, in this place where he was able to get my attention and my vision. And so my imagination kicked in, and I had an encounter with him, and I saw him. I saw him, saw him, you know. And the environment was that there were, there were these angelic creatures, and they had six wings. Each one had six wings. There were three of them. Each one of them had six wings. And two wings, they covered their face. Two wings, they covered their feet. And two wings, they flew. And all they said the whole time was, holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And he said, there I realized just how holy God and so these, these second wave of being alone with God, yes, he is good. He is amazingly wonderful. But he's also holy. And holy isn't something to be afraid of. And so if there are things that you do or say or, you know, it's off, don't run from God. He says, I'm still good, but my holiness doesn't change. And all the parts of me that are separated for good and where wicked and, 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 um, and sin can't reside, it just, it just can't stay in the presence of a holy God. No matter what's going on. And he, he is so good and he loves us so much that he says, even your sin and your unholiness, which really started in the garden when Adam went outside of God's commands and listened to the temptation of Satan, it showed up. But right away, God came up with a plan to fix it so he could still be with us because he's still holy. He loves the world, but he is still, his nature is goodness and righteousness. So what does he do? He sends Jesus, the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, it says the operation of God was such. He had, a, he had an operation. He had, a, he had a plan, planned attack. And it was to put all sin on Jesus, who was a perfect, he was perfect in all of his ways, and he never sinned. So God put all sin on Jesus. But look at his holiness, because here is someone he's been in relation with. God the Father, God the Son, connected forever. Eternity passed, even before anything happened. They were together. 
And Jesus said, I'll go. I'll put on flesh. I'll become like the very humans you love. And with your power, I will live free from sin so that I can take and be a sacrifice for sin. It's the operation of God, and it is so that God could justify being with us again because he's so holy. He loves us so much. So Jesus did. And look at what happened. When Jesus goes to the cross and all of sin was on him, God's holy nature kicks in. It kicked in. And you knew it kicked in, too. And you knew exactly when. The very point that it kicked in, Jesus screams out, my God, my God. I knew this was coming. I didn't know it was going to be like this. Why have you forsaken me? That was the moment. But that was an expression of God's love who wanted to make it so every one of us, every one of us, born in sin, all kinds of actions and habits, we could come under the blood of Jesus. So even now, every time I go to the Father, every time I call on a holy God, <laughs> I'm hiding behind Jesus. I don't go in Terry's name. I ask you in Jesus' name. So he took my coat of sin, Jesus did, and he gave me his robe of righteousness, right standing with God. So we switched coats. And so now when I walk into the presence of God, man, that's why Joseph was a type of Christ with that coat of many colors. One day there was going to be one who had a coat, and there was a lot of blood on Joseph's coat. But in the future, when Jesus was to come, it was going to be his own blood. It's a beautiful picture of God's love. So when we talk about being with God, we can't ignore the fact that he's holy. And so I've been trying these last few weeks to paint the kind of picture where you get the real revelation of being with him, still with the holiness, and how do I now live out holiness? Not just God is good all the time. God loves me. He's wonderful. I pray. I ask him, and he just wants to get. All of that is good. He's a good, good father, but he is also holy. That song, holy, 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 Lord God, oh my, oh man. That thing fills me up every time because I have an awareness that there is no, there is no brightness like his. And we get to go into the holy of holies. I hear that phrase, holy of holy. It's the holiest place there is. And because of Jesus, the priests aren't the only ones who can get in there. That was the picture of the old covenant. They were the only ones who could get in there. And even they had to be right. 
They had to do, man, they're walking in and just, they're, they're shaking it. Not, all around them, they've put things all over them. Everything had to be perfect. And if there was anything off and wrong, <laughs> they went in with bells on. And if they got into the presence of God and the bells stopped, that showed you that they were off. And they had a rope around them so that whoever was listening, if they didn't hear the bells anymore, they couldn't go in and get them. They had to pull them out, pull them out, pull them out, because God is holy. Thank God for the new covenant, because the Bible says that Jesus, Jesus now, because there was a veil, there was a tent that you had to go in, and you're going behind the veil into the Holy of Holies. Where it says Jesus went in, and he went in with his own blood. No more lambs and bulls and goats, you know, being killed, perfect, spotless, and they're going in with the sacrifice. They're putting it all on them, and they're taking it for the sins of people, and only the priest could do it. It's a priest walking in with all of that on them. The Bible says Jesus went in once and for all, and he took his own blood, and he went into the very presence of God, and he was an offering for sin. And that's why we, even now, man, we live in the blood of Jesus. I don't know how often you use the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. We're going to have a time of communion when we get to the end of, of teaching today. And it is to remember the price that was paid for us. And it says, Jesus said, every chance you get to do this, you proclaim that Jesus died. Well, why did he die? So an unholy people could be presented holy before a holy God, not by works of righteousness that we have done but because of his mercy. Can you put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, thank you for your holiness. And I want to be holy like you. Jesus, thank you for your blood, which is the way to get to God. Help me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help us. Help me to stay sensitive to the true nature of God. In Jesus' name, amen. That's how we do this. We live like this. We live like this. So how do I now begin to live holy, not just develop a habit of unholiness, and treating God like a jack-in-the-box. Oh, I did that thing. God, forgive me. Sorry, God. I had to talk to my son. I've got three sons, my middle son, Andrew. He's the most sensitive of all three of them. Not that they're not sensitive. He's just wired very emotionally, quick to weep, very sensitive. You know, he's got that, that uh, right hemisphere of brain, you know, wiring, very intuitive. And... Uh, Remember when he was little, he would do something, and he was so quick to say, sorry, Dad. I said, all right, Dad. <laughs> all right, it's okay. And just like Jesus always gives me another chance, and I grew up, I, I always say things like this. If all of your wrong is on here, when you get to God and you're very sincere, he says, let's just turn the page. 
Let's just turn the page. And so I do that. I do that with ants. And at one point, because he would use it and use it and use it and use it, I said, Ange, if you practice the habit of just doing wrong and then just saying, hey, I've got grace. Dad's going to give me grace. I said, do you realize you're establishing a habit even in that? Paul put it this way, the Apostle Paul, when he's talking to the Romans, he says, he says um, grace has been given. It's been grace. What is grace through faith? And that grace, this is chapters 3, 4, and 5, talking about just grace, faith in the grace. I've got faith and assurance in this grace, and God just did it. And it is unto all and upon all who believe. Now, if you spend some time reading chapter 4, 5, you know, even 3, but definitely 4 and 5 in the book of Romans, you'll see that's what it is. It is unto all and upon all, whoever believes. He has given us all a measure of faith. And that faith gives you access into this amazing grace. It's amazing. It's just this wonderful grace. But then Paul says something starting off in chapter 6. He says, okay, so what then? And I'm quoting King James. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. He says, what, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? So that anytime we, anytime we sin... We, we get grace. And if we have more sin, we get more grace. He says, do you realize that thinking like that binds you up as a captive to the very person that you are yielding yourself to? You realize that when you yield to this, you become a slave to whatever it is. And then he says, whether of sin unto separation from God or unto righteousness, right standing with God. And so he spends a lot of time talking about that. And then he gets into chapter 7, which we spent a lot of time last week, talking about how I want to do the right thing. He says there was a time when I wanted to do the right thing, but I always found myself doing the wrong thing. So he gets very practical now. And if we're going to talk about having a very lifestyle, not just January and February, not just the time where we have this 21-day fast. We're going to have next Sunday, our, one of our friends, uh, 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 pastor, he's associate pastor, Jamie Fitt, and he's been here a few times, and he has an amazing worship band, and they're going to come next week. And our whole time next week is just going to be celebrating and singing and honoring, honoring the Lord, singing to the Lord, enjoying worship, coming to the Father. Why? Because this thing that we've been on, we come to the end of it, and we always want to celebrate. We made it to the end of our first 21. Now we realize this is a lifestyle. I have a lifestyle of fasting. I have a lifestyle of worship. I have a lifestyle of spending time quiet with God. I have a lifestyle of giving my body, my mind, my emotions over to him, my will over to him. 
celebrate that. We draw a line in the sand, we lift our hands, and we say, yes, this is who we are moving forward. Father, receive our praise. So he's going to come next week, and we're going to have a great time doing that. And one of, my, one of my adopted daughters, she's an amazing worshiper in the region, and she's going to do a dance to a song that I've been telling you about for the last, I don't know, three months. A guy named Marno Harris wrote a song called I miss my time with you. And so she's going to dance to that. Next week is just going to be a wonderful time of just putting a rod down, say, God, this is who we are, and may our songs represent our heart and our lifestyle. But today and last week and the week before, we got to talk about understanding how to do it. Because at some point, you know, Jamie and his band, they're going to pack up. Kim's going to pack up. She's going to pick up her flags and, and all of her props, and the music's going to stop. These lights are going to turn off. The, the heat's going to turn off, and we're going to leave. And just like the, the guy sang the song we were talking about last week, when the music fades, and all of this, oh, man, all of this gets stripped away. Can you be alone with him in holiness, right standing with him, confidence and awareness of who he is, who you long to be with him? Can you do that when there are, there are no songs on your AirPods? <laughs> when there's no stained glass window? that gives you a beautiful picture. And even on these windows on the side, that picture of Holy Spirit coming down, the stained glass in the back that I look, you know, it's the cross. When, when none of that is there, it is 10 o'clock at night and nobody's answering calls. And here you are trying to press in past the wrong urge, the wrong emotion, the wrong feelings. Can you still be alone with God? And can you be in that journey that really has an end game? You know, Pastor Pam shared early in January that the goal of being with him, the goal of fasting, the goal of spending time reading scripture, the goal of saying no to the enemy is not just for you. Saying yes to God and enjoying his presence. The end goal is always others. It's always others. But I need to prepare you for when all of this is stripped away. Because it's possible to have two sides to us. When we're strong, sympathetic, compassionate, holy individuals in here. But we haven't practiced how to be that outside. And when we're not, and we're like that guy in Romans chapter 7 that says, the law is good, God's ways are good, but me, man, there's parts of me I realize that aren't good. My spirit loves God, loves God. But man, I found out that my flesh doesn't like God. In fact, it's opposed to God. Anytime I want to do the right thing, evil is always present. For to will 
the desire for it is present in me, but how to walk it out, I can't find it. So he gets to the end of the passage. He gets to the end of the passage. You guys can put this up on the screen for me. As I want you to see, I want you to see what comes out at the end, at the end of all of, all of this. Let me read for me, um, let's see, where do I want to give you? Give me, if you could, these wonderful people in media, they do such a great job. Hey, you guys love when the people in media, every week they put the words up and... Put up, if you could, for me, Rome, there you go. They're already on it. Look at that. Romans, 20, Romans 7, 21. Look, he says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, verse 22 says. But there is another power within me. That is at war with my mind. Everybody say, my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. Here it is. Listen to the frustrated believer. I'm not talking about someone who doesn't know God. I'm talking about the frustrated believer. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And here is beautifully the remedy. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. And here he is. He's, he's, he's saying, okay, this is what we've come up with. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, he's talking about my flesh, I am a slave to sin. Now go straight to the next, because this ends chapter 7. But go straight to chapter 8, verse 1. So now there is, now the King James Version says, there is therefore. Whenever you see therefore in Scripture, start reading backwards. Because this 8 and this 7 all go together. So don't get caught up and say, oh, that's the end of that. Oh, no, he gives more remedy in verse 1. So now there is no condemnation. There is nothing to stop the very life and power of God's law working in me. In other words, I'm not like a condemned man. I'm not just put off to die, separated from everybody else in this institution. There is no condemnation. Where there was hopelessness under condemnation, it's all gone. And who is it for? To those who belong to Christ Jesus. Verse 2. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from that power and that principle that was in chapter 7. See, it's all still connected. He says, who's going to free me? Who's going to deliver me? from the law of sin and death. And that's what it says, because you belong to him. Verse 3 says, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. And that's why I explained all of that earlier to you. 
he sent his own son in a body like the bodies sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son a sacrifice for our sins. Verse 4, he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Now, I just want to pause for a moment. We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday, that there are three parts of you. And he's talked about all three parts here. You've heard him talk about the flesh, that sinful nature. You've heard him talk about the mind. And you've heard him talk about your spirit. The spirit is the part that God did the operation on. It caused you to be positionally sanctified, positionally holy. So when you go to be with God after you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you are now positionally holy. That's who you are. It says in the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, that he raised us up together. When Jesus died and he was buried... God then raised him up from the dead. Well, when we accept Jesus, he raised us up together. It's your faith in the operation of God that caused you to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's who you are positionally. That's why I don't call myself, oh, I'm just a sinner. No, no, I'm a son. I'm a son. Positionally? I'm a son of God. And it wasn't by anything I did. It was his mercy that did it. So it's positional. Everybody say positional. Sanctification. But then there is something called progressive sanctification. Now what is progressive sanctification? That is you becoming more sanctified. He says, I would that you're so... He says, when you live for God and you let the scriptures strengthen you in your mind, you are doing the kinds of things, listen to this, that will save your soul. And when I talk about getting born again, all over again, he's talking about now, daily, you are becoming more holy. Positionally, you're holy. But every day, you are becoming more like him. It's called progressive sanctification. Excuse me. You know, yesterday, during hours of like 12 and 3, over at the, the congregation in Philadelphia, Christ Community. I had to do a eulogy over a young man who passed away on January 19th. And it's close, close to our heart, close. His wife, his children, his granddaughter, just close to our heart. And so on one side you have sorrow, but then Paul says, I want you to 
not be confused with how we deal with death. We don't sorrow like those who have no hope. That when you die, that's just it. No. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He says, he says I've got this desire. I've got this desire. He says, it's me. It's me. I have this desire. On one hand, I want to stay here and be with you. Me. Paul. But on the other hand, I want to leave you and go and be with the Lord, which is far better. And so on June, on January 19th, when Tony died, Tony was a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, and he died. Positionally, back in 1998, he accepted Jesus. He accepted Jesus. So he was positionally set apart. Set apart from the world, separated unto God. Separated from the world, set apart unto God. That's holy. It's positionally. But then progressive sanctification I remember reading yesterday, I got a hold of his Bible, and I was reading to the audience passages that he had underlined. And one of them was in 1 Timothy chapter 4, where he says, put on as the elect of God, you know, holy, you know, read the scriptures, you know, be a man of love. Be a man that forgives. I mean, all of this stuff, Paul is grooming young Timothy. Well, there was a sticky note in his Bible. And he says, on the sticky note, and I read it to the audience. There was hundreds, hundreds of people that were there. And I said, listen to what he said. And it identified progressive sanctification. He says, this is who I want to be treating my wife, treating my children, resisting the enemy, being a man of compassion, being a man of self-control, being a man of holiness. I'm already a son, but I want to be with him, as Paul put it, in all manner of conversation or lifestyle. Wave at me if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Can you, can you picture this young man? But what happened? He positionally sanctified. Progressively sanctified. But when he left this planet, he experienced ultimate sanctification. Which means I never have to deal with temptation. I never have to deal with anything going on in my flesh. Because now I am with him. It's far better. It's far better. There is no depression. There is no shame. There is no I've got to repent. None of that. It's ultimate sanctification. But we're not there. And I don't want to go there anytime soon. I only want to go when he says, Terry, I want you to come. So until then, I want to finish well. 
finish well. And finish well doesn't mean like, you know, about three years ago, I buried a woman. She was, she was 101. Her name was Elizabeth Taylor. 101. Her birthday's on Valentine's Day. And every year, she got older, she starts switching it around. She starts switching it around. You say, Liz, how old are you right now? Well, you know I'm only 19. And she's 91. And she did that every year. Every year. And I don't know if I'm going to live to be 101. I don't know if I'm going to live to be 89 like, like uh, Lucy Little. 89 years old. And there was Dino praying and releasing scriptures as her family sat here. I don't know if that's my finish well. I don't know. But I want to finish well. Am I positionally sanctified? Yes. And when I get along with the Father, yes. I want to talk to him. I want to be with him. I want to be like him more and more. I want to be used of him as he helps me. Terry, get rid of that. Holy Spirit talks to me. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit more and more after we get out of this, this, next, this next series. We're going to start some stuff on the 25th. More and more, Holy Spirit says, uh, don't say that. Progressive kicks in. I say, oh, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. Nothing else will do except what you're telling me right now. Or when the enemy comes and tries to bring shame and regret. And he said, Holy Spirit says, Terry, don't accept that. Don't receive that. And I'm like, help me, Holy Spirit. I've had those years, especially when, in my, when I was in my 20s, I was just learning how. And, man, I'm missing it. I'm, I had the whole chapter of Romans chapter 6 memorized. What then shall we say to this? I mean, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall you that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that to you, to those who yield the members as servants to obey, his servants you are, to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. I was like that guy in chapter 7, like, God, everything I want to do, I'm not doing. And it was only when I got connected with the Holy Spirit and he showed me how to give my mind to him. Gotta set my mind. And so now when he talks to me, I'm quicker. I'm quicker to respond. See, it's progressive. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter five, the end of it, he says, by now you should be teachers, but you're still struggling on the other stuff. He says, you haven't you know, it says strong meat is for those, he says, you're still dealing with milk. Strong meat is for those who by reason of use have had their senses exercised so that you discriminate now between good and evil. What God is saying to do and what he's saying not to do. But that only comes through practice. And that's not to bring shame. It's just to let you know, I want to progress. I want to get better. And until you do, the blood of Jesus is there. I mean, man, I was living under the blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus, get the Jesus. I was like Andrew. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. Then I started getting better and learning how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then realizing my conscience, my conscience was purged. So my conscience is good. 
When I was a sinner, my conscience wasn't good. But once I gave my life to Jesus, my conscience was a good conscience. So when the Holy Spirit would use that, I could say, oh, that was you. That was you. Wow, I, I knew it. I knew it was something I shouldn't have done. I, I got to yield to you more often. So I started getting robust in submitting to him and not grieving him. Holy Spirit's trying to tell me something. I'm like, nope, nope. Just like the jack in the box. Nope. I don't want to hear that right there. Nope. I don't want to hear that. Forgive them. Nope. I don't want to hear that. You really should forgive them, Terry. Nope. And it would open the door up for strongholds. What's a stronghold? A stronghold is a mindset that justifies why what God says is true. You're saying it's not true. And so God says, look, we can get through this, and you can get victory in this. No, no. My grandfather was like that. My father was like that. My great-grandfather was like that. That's just the way I am. I, I, that's just a stronghold. And that spirit comes and sits in your mind and helps you to justify why it's okay. Hey, real quick, uh, media, can you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? I think it is. I think I put that up there, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at this, and you guys write this down. Write this down, this, this passage. Look what it says. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasons and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. King James Version, cast down the imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's why Paul said in the end of chapter 7, I, I was miserable. Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? My body is a functioning machine. My mind, will, and emotions is my soulish area. And my spirit is the part that contacts God. If my soulish area with my thoughts is not renewed with the very power of Christ and his opinions, then my flesh is going to get more and more and more robust. So that whenever I would do good, evil is present. And so I'm saying things that I shouldn't say. I'm thinking things that I shouldn't think. I'm watching things that I shouldn't watch. I'm feeling things that I shouldn't feel. When you get later on, <clears throat> excuse me. Hey, real quick, can you run to, back to uh, Romans chapter 8? And I think we started verse, started verse 5 for me. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. We went over this a little bit. We went over this a little bit on Wednesday. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, you see what that next word is? What is it? Think. The Amplified Version, I don't know if you, can you pull up Amplified Classic for this one? Amplified Classic. 
It says, for those who are living according to the flesh, look what it says, set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. But look at the opposite. Those who are living according to the spirit, God's opinion, God's perspective, God's feelings, God's mood, God's emotions, God's heart, God's direction, God's design. What do they do? They set their minds on the things of the Spirit, his will and purpose. This is the critical piece. The last thing that I'll share with you is this. If you, if you get a chance, if you get a chance, and I'm going to give you some scriptures, I'm going to give you some scriptures to write down. Because I want you, you know, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. Spirit and life. Spirit and life. And look at, these, look at these passages. I want you to write these passages down. The first one is Luke chapter, Luke chapter 11. And it's verses 21 to 26. And in that passage, Jesus says, when a strong man is armed, because he's talking about the mind. When a strong man is armed, his goods are at peace. The way you think about things will, okay, I'm about to say something and I realize that this is something that you should, you should, you should focus on this for a minute. Hey, before you, before you start, hang on just for, for one moment. Um, demonic influence, spiritual wickedness are armed with your thoughts. They are armed with thoughts and it protects them. It says when a, when a strong man is armed, his goods are at peace. The wickedness of the enemy wants you to agree. And when you do, they sit safely and it becomes a stronghold. That's why over and over and over, I've got to break agreements. So when the strong man is armed, his goods are at peace. If God has told you to forgive somebody, and the reason you won't forgive is because of something they did, they started it, it wasn't your fault, that's just the way you are, it takes time for you to get to, those are bricks that protect that demon that says don't forgive. And it becomes a stronghold. And it can be for anybody. There are some who forgive all kinds of people, but they won't forgive that group. And whether it's another race, <laughs> this is a very interesting year that we're in. Because there are some who are justified as they miss the target because somebody votes differently than they do. And that demon sits protected. So I read to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Casting down imaginations. Cast it down. And every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Break every stronghold. 
That's why daily I have to let the word of God come in and renew my mind. It says when an enemy, when a, when, a, when, a man, when a strong man is armed, his goods are peace. Why do you watch pornography? If you justify it, that the urge is too big or God understands I've got needs, that's a stronghold. And I don't want to bring shame to anybody who has gotten caught in any of that. I, that's not the picture. The picture is Jesus came to make it right. So he convinces us, son, daughter, I, want, I don't want you to be a slave here. I don't want you to be a slave here. And that's just one picture. It could be any addictive. If you are a gossiper, and you justify why it's okay to slander other people. That demon sits right there and says, thank you very much. Thank you for protecting me and what my assignment is. That's why I'm always praying. I come against every devil and every demon that has an assignment against you living out what God says. Why do you do it? That demon has come in and is looking for protection. So Jesus says, when a strong man is armed, and you know, put that back up for me. Uh, 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 I think it's Ashley up there. Is that Ashley up there? Yeah, put that up back there. Luke chapter, Luke chapter, what is that, 11, 21? When a strong man is armed, fully armed, his guard, he, and guards his palace. When a strong man is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe. So he's talking about spiritual wickedness. Look at this, verse 22. Until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. You know what that is? That's the word of God. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the name of Jesus. That's the opinion of heaven. That's why the first thing I ask is, do, do you want the will of God? Yes, I want the will of God. I walk people through deliverance and so forth. Do you want, I want the will of God. This is great. Then I want you to break agreement. Break agreement. And for some of us, we've allowed things to get into our house. The house that we live in, we don't even realize that certain things that you watch on TV, certain things that you come with, things you walk, you walk in the house. I remember years ago, Pam was at a, uh, she was doing, um, uh, uh, jury duty. She's doing jury duty. And she's an amazing believer. But we noticed something. Because everything that happens down at the courthouse has to do with arguments. Prosecutor arguing his case against the attorney. Defense, prosecutor, that's all there. There's stuff that, if you ever have to do jury duty, Make sure you leave out of there, break the agreement. Break that stuff. Don't bring it home because it'll sit there. And the Holy Spirit showed us after a while, and we've both have done jury duty. But you walk out with stuff all over you. Don't bring it home. Don't let it sit there. You got stuff under your lampshades. You got stuff in the corners because you haven't broken agreement. Strong man's armed, his goods are at peace. Do not justify why it's okay to do something that God said not to do. 
I'm showing you how to be with him. How to stay holy, progressive holiness. And he's not waving an accusing finger. The blood of Jesus, the life of Jesus came to make it right. That's why we practice peace at our home. Not because we're pastors, but because individually, Terry, Pam, Ryan, Jordan, Andrew, Melody, Emily, Amanda, Ari, we want to be with him. And then we want him to be able to use us everywhere we go. And it's not because we're special. This is anybody, anybody. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You guys bring that communion. Uh, uh, Isaac and Bill, you guys. Let's start giving this communion now. While they're working that, while they're working that, let me share this with you. That same passage of scripture, Jesus says, when an evil spirit goes out of a man, he's looking for dry places. He, he goes through dry places looking for rest. When he can't find it, he goes right back to the place that he got cast out. But this time, he takes seven more spirits more wicked than himself. When you get free, stay free. Can I say that again? When you get free, stay free. Tell the person next to you that for me. Say, when you get free, stay free. When you get free, stay free. When you get free, stay free. Break agreements. Break agreements. Let me have one else, Michael. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Oh, sweetie. Sweetie. When you get free, stay free. Now, that's not, that's not, listen, listen. You know, Romans chapter 12, that's another passage of Scripture I want to give you. Romans, write this down. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this. He says, uh, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God. Because of all he's done, King James Version says, I beseech you, I plead with you based on the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And how are we supposed to, uh, what's the sacrifice? Holy. Because of all he's done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. This is, the truly, this is truly the way we worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. How do, how, do, how do we get out of it? Look at this. But let God transform you into a new person. We're talking now progressive now, not positional. A new person by changing the way you what? Changing the way you think. You must bring him in to the way you think. That's so why he says, receive the engrafted word which can save your soul. What's your soul made up of? Mind, will, thoughts, opinions, emotions. If you are not emotionally stable, and I'm not talking about, you know, a medical issue. I'm just talking about you're always flying off the handle. You're always cursing somebody out. You're always in rage, yelling. And, but you're a Christian. And no one doubts the positional sanctification. But you, you got a problem with that? 
then you need to receive that engrafted word that can save your soul. And, and go through the process of fasting and read the word of God and say yes to it so it can change the way you think. It'll renew your mind. And I'm not talking about an every now and then temptation, but if you've got sexual issues that just, that just, they just keep on coming up and you've gotten to the point where you've said, well, it's just how the, this is just the way I am. No. That lifestyle of fasting says, let me first of all, Get my flesh to be quiet. And so I'm, I'm not going to feed him. Because remember, your flesh is a functioning machine. But then you've got to renew your mind with the word of God. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you that in you, I move and breathe and have my being. The words of my mouth and the things that I meditate on be acceptable in your sight. And anytime the wrong thought comes, pause and say, I cast that thought down in the name of Jesus and I break that agreement. And if I agreed with you in the past and said this and did that and acted on that, I break that agreement. No more. We are not in covenant anymore. And then find somebody you trust and say, hey, I've been, I've been going through with this and I know you love me. And so I ask you now, if you are a man and you've been having sexual issues, don't go and get a woman. If you are a woman and you've been dealing with the whole fantasy, don't go get a brother. Come on. Get somebody that can hold you accountable and say, you know what? I love you. I agree with you. Let's say what the Word of God says. And that's, again, I use sexual just as an example because we have to deal with the flesh. It might be anything. It might be the way you eat. You might just, your eating might be completely out of control and you justify it. Or the, the shame that you feel. Nobody loves me. Nobody's for me. And you, you get into that mode of shame and condemnation. Get somebody who can tell you, God doesn't want you to have these depressive moments. Let's be free in him. The Father loves you. I love you. That's why we're better together. But no longer can we say, God, I want to be with you. And I want you to use me for your glory, but you are not willing to be holy as he is holy. No, say, Father, first of all, you've made me holy. I position myself for that, but I also want to progress. And so the things that I've been struggling over for years, this far and no more, draw a line in the sand, no more. And the, the, the law of, the, say this after me, say the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, gloriously, wonderfully, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned it in the flesh. That the good part of the law might be fulfilled in me. I'm the one who does not walk in the flesh, but I walk in the spirit. And so you say things like, Father, thank you for renewing my mind with your word. And then pray, pray prayers over you. Get the Amplified Classic version of 
Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12, where it says things like approving things that are just and right, loving sincerely. See, we've got to work this thing. He says, work out your salvation. Work out your soul salvation. You have to do these things. And if you're, if you're struggling at it, it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you, and it doesn't mean you're not a Christian if you accepted Jesus. But it does say you can be that believer that's bound up, and Jesus wants you free. In whom the Son is set free is free indeed. We'll go over a little bit more of this on Wednesday. I know Wednesday is Valentine's Day. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But we're going to be doing some Valentines in the love of God on Wednesday. And we're going to be getting free. I'm just letting you know. I'm letting you know. I'm picking another day, and I'm not giving this for shame. I'm just giving you an example. I'm picking another day to blow that girl's mind. But Wednesday, I'm going to be here, and we're going to be talking about how to get victory in our minds. Okay? Did you open it up for me, baby? Oh, here you go. Here you go. We got to work this stuff, y'all, because at the end